Hey, hey, uh, hey, hey, guys, uh, which, uh, what movie are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, I thought we were just going to talk about Dungeons and, well, that was so long ago. Uh, Ryan, what, sh- what do you think we should talk about? Well, I was thinking we were going to do that vampire movie, Nicolas Cage something something, Renfield. Oh, gosh, how are we going to, how are we going to, how are we going to? I don't think we can. This is impossible. We're at an impasse. Time to ham up. Oh my god, I really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Welcome, listeners, to After the Credits, a Yum Chunks podcast. Tonight, we're doing a special double episode. We're going to be speaking about the film Dungeons & Dragons, which came out, I don't know, months ago. And then we're going to have a discussion about the new Nicolas Cage, What's It, Renfield. Uh, so strap in, <laughs> strap in. We got a we got a, a a double episode bursting with all the good chunks that you have come to expect. Uh, massive air quotes. Uh, how are we doing tonight? Who do we got? Who do we got? Who who do we got here? <laughs> who is who's here? Renfield and D and D are oh, here. Oh yes. I- Bob oh, Redfield and, and Stephen D and D. Also, Sean. I'm Sean. I'm here. And Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, we only just figured out what it is that we're going to record. Like uh, I don't know, like five minutes ago. Um, we couldn't legitimately couldn't figure out which one to do. So that's the Yum Chunks yeah, charm. It's... Oftentimes, we're figuring out. While we're recording the very or episode. after, yes, <laughs> this is weirdly going to somehow turn into a Bo is Afraid episode when we weren't even no. talking about that. Yeah. There's a lot of work <laughs> in post production, let me tell you. Yes, well, uh, that being said, um, we're going to keep the uh, we're going to keep the sharing of the chunks rather short tonight. Uh, because, uh, well, I don't really have any, so I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to make up some as you guys are, are dumping your chunks, um, so to, so to speak. So, um, that being said, why don't we, why don't we start the, uh, the, the chunk circle off with Ryan. Ryan, what, what did you bring today? Perfect. I'm, I'm glad you chose me first. Um, well, it's not so much a chunk as a promise of chunks to come. (laughs) The, the ghost of future (laughs) chunks past. Um. It, well, so I'm tomorrow. I'm leaving for Coachella, um, which uh, in, in what promises to be 99 degree weather in the middle of the desert, um, as as any trip uh, threatens my livelihood and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure to bring sandals and no shoes and no water. Yes, that like. I that is. Oh, my don't forget I, to not bring uh, <laughs> suntan lotion. Yes. Uh, don't forget. Don't forget to bring any kind to, of yeah. stomach medication, so that you uh, so that you can ensure that you end up in a situation where it's quote coming out of both ends. Um, <laughs> you should probably also get rid of your cell phone, or at least yeah. you know. Don't forget don't to leave it. your cell phone at well, home. Don't forget to tell yeah, nobody where general, you're going. Oh shoot, you already did that. The, the, the cell network doesn't usually work too well at Coachella anyway, oh. so I, oh, I think okay, I'm probably good. covered they, on that. that, that double end. covered on that problem. One. Yeah, problem solved. Um, but uh, since I haven't gone to Coachella yet, well, I mean I've gone in the previous years or a previous year. Um, I don't have any chunks specifically to share with you, but 
as I am preparing to go, um, there's a lot of rules and restrictions for attending the event. One being you can't bring in uh, food that is not sealed. That is in that is not in its original oh. sealed, you know, manufacturing mm-hmm. container. So you can't bring it. You can't make a sandwich and bring it in, right? Mm. Yeah. So as I was like, okay, what would be? And I'm gonna have like a little bag, a little satchel to kind of take with me, bring some snacks and and water and whatever else I need. Um, no, wait, no, I'm not gonna bring water. No, you so can't bring water. There. No, 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 no. no. Um, so is this gonna have? So in other words, I'm saving space by not bringing water, not bringing suntan lotion, not bringing a hat or sunglasses. So I'm gonna have all kinds of room to bring snacks. Um. And I, I was trying to think of what is the most ridiculous food that I can bring to like one of the venues because there's multiple stages and in the blaring 99 degree heat, what would be the best food to open my bag and withdraw and, and potentially share with others at the festival? Um, and so uh, throughout our recording session, feel free at any time to interrupt whoever's speaking and announce a good idea for what I should like I'm thinking just a jar of peanut butter and you just you just just as you're watching the show you're everyone's singing peanut along butter, I, my my initial thought I, i'm thinking yogurt like one of those giant tubs uh, of yogurt like yeah that's Greek good yogurt uh, i like things. that i like that okay um, that's, that's just like hand out, out a couple plastic spoons to people around you too and it's going hey dig in <laughs> yeah yogurt is the best thing to eat in just enormous heat <laughs> like that. that okay okay that's good that's i, I like that that's good so, so the goal um, is to be as gross as possible well, not necessarily. I think goo is a great. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, anything that's a. I think I've misunderstood the assignment here. Um. <laughs> there, there's no right answer. Uh, oh, perfect. And I, there's no wrong answer. No, no. There's, there's no right, right answer. answer. That I said. I said it right the first time. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Now I'm not going to be thinking about our movies. These, this. I'm just going to be thinking about food to eat in the desert <laughs> with groups of people. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking just kind of like raw fish or something that just like, you know, in like the <laughs> oh, sealed no. packages that are like freeze dried and it'll yeah. thaw, you know, it'll thaw. And then you just kind of, everyone gets to smell that delicious cooking. Gets to. Warm yeah. fish. Gets to. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, that that's actually all I have to share. I will report. I think you should. Well, first of all, I not to belabor, belabor this, but. It should also depend on who you're watching and what venue it is. I think that food will okay. depend on who you're watching play. So if you're watching, I don't know who's being. I know you said Bjork's going to be there. So yes. if you're watching Bjork, I think that's going to in, should influence what type of food you're going to crack <clears throat> open. I feel that is a good point. Um, for Bjork, it should be um, just like you know when you go to Costco. I know my dad gets these, and they're just like those racks of ribs. That are just like uncooked <laughs> racks of ribs, oh. and just bust that out and just go to town. And okay, ma- <laughs> just cold ribs and bar. In, in all seriousness, though, you, you you mentioned peanut butter, so I've actually been trying to think of this. That you, I, I buy these boxes of Ritz that have their inside the box. There's small sleeves of crackers. They have exactly thirteen crackers in each sleeve, and you can buy these giant boxes. So I would get, you know, one of those so that you can, you know, those are all individually wrapped. So you could hand those out. That's actually a good and idea. Then, it, that's very practical. Then too. when you do that, then you think, what can I eat with crackers? And there's a lot of varieties. Off the top of my head, peanut butter. You already mentioned that one. Um, okay. I'm thinking the cheese that come out of the spray can. All right. There you go. Oh. Um, I'm thinking uh, canned oysters. 
All right, those are good. Oh, now you're you're kicking it up a notch. Oysters, that's that's. We didn't get those for cheap. I I that was we stuck to our closet with those during COVID. Um, still eating them. Um, uh... um, they well, they're canned. They're canned, so they last. The expiration date is oh, like okay. five five years okay. out. Um, so um. But anyway, so so I don't know. Think about that. What what can you put on a Ritz cracker? I actually I like your Ritz cracker idea and in like the, what is it called cheese whip? What is it well, called cheese? Whiz? It's not cheese whiz because that comes in a jar yeah. and is in is uh, uh it's it, it has no the cheese whiz is not the spray one. Cheese whiz is like a it's like a gelatinous sauce. Uh, but oh. I'm talking the kind that it comes in like an aerosol can. Like you, right? Like, you, like they they yeah. may not allow aerosol cans in. I could see that being a restriction, <laughs> but I think it's worth trying because I think everyone would appreciate. They can just open their mouth, you know, and turn their mouth upwards, and I can just spray. Oh my god! Mouth, think right? of how think of how I'd be very popular. popular you I'd would be. Very be. Popular. Uh, yes, yeah. you would make a lot of friends, and everybody would want to take pictures with the guy who's just squirting cheese into people's mouths. Okay, cheese, I'm gonna get what is it? Well, it's not cheese whiz, but whatever the compressed Arizona cheese is. I'm gonna spend the entire Dungeons and Dragons conversation researching this. So you guys go, go okay. ahead and talk about. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, a, a homemade vat of like curry, like well, Japanese but you style can't, curry. See, that, you can't. Thick. It has to be packaged. Yeah. Oh, it's open. God. Oh, I know. Right. See, that is it's true because I, I I made cookies to bring, and I was like, oh, it'd be so great to share cookies, but it's like, oh, well, you can't because it's it's not a pre-sealed thing so. Coachella used to be about the open food package. it used to be about just to come to commercials full of curry <laughs> bleedingly <laughs> into yeah. people's back faces back in the day back before it got in corporate. 98 degree weather <laughs> when I was in Europe last summer I had so much curry but it's not like nice curry it's not like fancy curry it's like uh, in, in, in Ireland they have chippies which are, are basically like are the, the equivalent of our like 24 hour burrito shops they're everywhere they all have this i think that's what they call diapers and diapers <laughs> diapers are what diapers <laughs> are what i that's no, yeah um you go to the chippy you go to the local chippy and they sell just yeah. fried food and it's the most fried greasy fried food but then they you have the option of putting curry on anything that you order so so i did yeah. oh i did and it's this <laughs> right. very bright yellow neon curry sauce that is uh, both terrible and fantastic, um, and they they don't sell it anywhere here. Maybe there's some sort of spray on. Curry. Oh, get some, get some aerosol curry. Okay. okay, let me see. I'm gonna I'm gonna search aerosol curry <laughs> and see what comes up. Uh, oh no, there's a, it's the first the result is Home Depot spray paint curry color. <laughs> but is it the color of? Oh my god, it is! It's the same color as the Irish uh, curry sauce from Chippies. Wow, it's the exact same color. Oh, that's that's actually pretty All right, there's impressive. There's a promising lead we got. It's, I mean, anyway. Sean, you can't eat this. I mean, you can. Uh, I, mean, I don't you recommend. Can. In my professional experience, I recommend against uh, eating spray paint. Well, all these music concerts, people are always passing around, you know, substances. And if you just have a, scan, a can of spray paint, will that, that make that, you right? more or less popular than a, a can of cheese? <laughs> I say less popular. I'm just gonna. Yeah, hot, probably hot less. Yeah. All right. Nah, I'm with you on that one. Alright, are those your chunks? Uh, you get, you get that it, out of your system? Well, Ryan, yep. uh, I'm happy to share what may be, once again, your last uh, episode with you on this podcast. <laughs> I appreciate we'll that. We'll see. It's been a, it's been a, if, in, just in case, yeah. it's been a good, it's been it's a good, been a good ride. I've appreciated your friendship over the years, and uh, we'll see what happens. Same to you. Yep. Okay. 
<laughs> All right. Um, did you think of anything, Matt, that you're going to sure. talk about? Sure. I mean, I, jump in? I guess. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> sure. What? You're, me. me or you? Who goes? Ta- who talks first? You talk. You. Uh, okay, go. You talk. <laughs> uh, okay, so I have, as of last night, started watching the premiere of the final season of Barry. I know I've talked about Barry before on this show, so I'm going to talk about it again. Have either of you watched Barry? Uh, yeah, yep. I've watched up to this. I haven't started the season yet. Same. Okay, yeah. good. You're all caught up. All right. I think the last time I brought it up, yep. you, one or both of you were not. So um, what a great start for uh, a season and oh my gosh that is gonna end up being one of my favorite shows ever i think it's fantastic uh so there's that and speaking well just speaking on things that haven't happened yet all of mine are things i've started um i've started finally playing through half-life alex and the rick and morty vr game because i have the oculus 2 again i have it and um Oh man, I mean, I tried it out, Ryan, at your place some time ago, um, but right. well, you know, luckily my memory being what it is these days, I, I forgot most of what actually happened. So I got to kind of re-experience those opening bits again, and uh, just being in my own living room, and then you know, then you're like, I'm in, I'm inside Half Life, I'm inside of it. This is um, like I'm in tears because I'm so happy. I never thought I'd ever be inside Half Life. And then I'm in tears because, oh my god, no, it's Half-Life. This is terrifying. Like, when that when one of those tripod walkers walks by you, it's, like, yep. the scariest thing. Like, full scale, it's in, you're it's looking intense. up at it out the window or on your balcony, and it, it is so intense. Yeah. Um, so I'll report back. I'm sure... I don't know how long it is, but I'll, I'll sure that I'll, I'll, I'll get through it swiftly. Though I... It is spring musical time at the school where I teach, so um, we're in the crunch. So speaking on that, I probably won't be on the cast for for a little while, probably for a few weeks. I might miss an episode or so, um, but uh, I'm sure I'll have plenty of chunks to report back with when I come back. And I yield the rest of my time. Sean, blah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the party accepts. Um, I saw, I only have one, and I, it's a movie that is out in theaters now. It's called Bo is Afraid. You thought that previous joke I made was meaningless. It's not. It was a setup for me talking about I, I didn't about think it was meaningless. I didn't think anything of it. I just completely <laughs> forgot about it and moved on with my life. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, well, you can't. I'm not letting you. You can't move on because I'm talking about it now. Um... Yeah, it's the next film by the uh, director, writer-director. I believe he wrote all of his films as well. Uh, Ari Aster, he did uh, Hereditary and Midsommar, oh, both right. of which uh, I love a lot. They're some of my favorite horror films from the last decade or so. Um, so, uh, Bo is Afraid? I don't know what this movie is. This movie's a, it's a it sure is. <laughs> it's a movie. Um, <clears throat> it, it's... it's pretty insane it's disturbing it's not like midsummer hereditary though it's not scary it's not a horror film but it's disturbing in other ways it's also very long it's it's and i don't want to give too many details because i do feel like if you are going to see it the less you know about it the better but it is it's kafka-esque 
I mean, well, yeah, actually, I guess in some ways it kind of is. But um, <laughs> um, it's just a trip. It's 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 really hard to pin down, but it's a movie that stays with you. It's definitely not for everyone. Uh, you know, definitely, you know, it's it's not your mom's not mom's not going to like this movie. Mom, nope. don't go see this movie if you're listening. Um, but it's it's unlike anything it's just really unique it's really there's touches of surrealism there's there's lynchian vibes there's you know magical realism but it's also just kind of a very you know grounded story about a relationship about a very familiar relationship that most people have and and yeah and it's and it's a world it's it's just a it's just a whole thing so yeah, Bo is afraid. <laughs> Man, I'm curious. Yeah, I just want to have more people see this movie so I could talk about it with them. But I'm sorry if you see this movie, <laughs> you can blame me. If you end up seeing this movie, you can blame me. I will accept responsibility. Well, I was definitely already gonna see it just <clears throat> based on Ari Aster's uh, pedigree. But um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm scared. I'm also scared as well as Bo is because <laughs> yeah. because of his previous films. It, it's they're very traumatizing yeah it there's definitely traumatizing in this film oh, i will say it's yes it's not quite as the, the same type of trauma as the as as midsummer or hereditary though it's yeah so you're it's saying to, so you're yeah. saying there's not head trauma eh, no comment uh, that means there is head trauma. <laughs> I, I haven't seen Hereditary still, but I have seen Midsummer. Uh, would you recommend yeah. that I go watch uh, Hereditary well, first? Well, did you like Midsummer? Uh, yes and no. Um, I would say if you uh, if you were into Midsummer, Hereditary is closer to Midsummer for sure. I would I would I, I think Bo is Afraid is far enough removed from the other two that you don't need to see the other ones. So. You know, I mean, I know there's no continuity, or well, I guess I don't know. No, no, know, I just know mean that, even I mean, like, even just... in terms of like the tone and kind of like, like I said, it's not a horror film, and it doesn't necessarily follow any of the of similar like you know um, thematic beats. I would even say as the first two, as oh. the first two films. So okay. I think you could see it and not be familiar with his work, and and not get any less or more out of it. Like I said, it's a it's a inscrutable film. That's a good way to describe it. It's inscrutable. So. Okay. Take that for what you will. Um, I, like I said, it's a, I guess a recommend for for the people who know and it's this their this is their type of thing. Yeah, go see it. But for everyone else, it would be a it would be hard to recommend this. It's it's definitely not for everyone. So. I, I just had to look up inscrutable. Okay. <laughs> Impossible to understand or interpret. Well, that's most yep. movies for me. Well, <laughs> well maybe maybe you'll actually key in on stuff that you know went over my head. All right. But anyways, that's all. That's all my chunks. So, okay, great. Well, um, let's kick off this double feature. We're gonna yeah. keep this. We're gonna keep this. These swift ish. Which one are we starting with? Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. I believe we're going Dungeons and Dragons first. All right. Yes. Spoilers yeah. for Dungeons and Dragons. Who's <coughs> recapping this one? I think I'm doing this one. Dungeons and Dragons spoilers. We uh, spoilers for all of Dungeons and Dragons. Just the game. The, con- the you know. The it's fine. I'm never game. gonna play it. So. 
Um, yeah, so uh, we start in a prison in the realm of Faerun, which is the fantasy world of Dungeons and & Dragons, and Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez are in prison, and there's a little bit of flashback as he's recounting how he's there. He used to have a family, a wife and a daughter, and he used to be kind of a, a protector of the realm, and they had a group of friends that kind of would go adventuring and steal things, and he, he uh, they had a, you know, fun time, a fun, happy past. Um, but Eventually, tragedy hit. His wife died. His daughter was taken away, and they were thrown in prison. So he's been in prison for a couple years with Michelle Rodriguez. They break out of prison. He goes to find his daughter, and she's being, um, uh, you know, kept by Hugh Grant, who used to be one of their friends. And uh, he's been kind of acting as like a father to her. And um, Chris Prine's like, "Oh, I'm so happy to see you again. You know, we're gonna, I'm gonna go get your, we're gonna re- resurrect your mom. There's a way to do it." And I'm going to figure out how to get our mom back. And we're going to be the family we used to be. So he goes on a quest with Michelle Rodriguez to kind of get the band back together. He goes and finds his old sorcerer friend, Justice Smith. Uh, and he has a friend who's a little, who's a druid, um, who's like one with nature and can turn into animals and beasts. And they go on a quest to find this tablet that allows anyone to come back from the dead. They have many adventures. They meet a paladin. They go underground and fight dragons. They talk to the dead. There's other myriad adventures and quests they go on. Um, eventually, it kind of culminates. They come back to the city that Hugh Grant uh, has uh, been living in with his daughter, with, with Chris Pine's daughter. And there's going to be this big tournament at the city that Hugh Grant is kind of heading up. He's kind of like the mayor of the city. And um, uh, this whole time, there has been an evil red wizard who's been working with Hugh Grant that's been giving him power. But she's actually been doing it for her own nefarious purposes to resurrect this evil ancient undead army. So Chris Pine gets back with his band of adventurers and thieves. um, And they break into a vault and the sorcerer uses his magic powers with a helmet to steal the tablet and fight the red wizard lady. They kill the red wizard lady, and they save the city from ultimate undead army destruction. Um, and right when they're about to use the tablet to resurrect his his ex his dead wife, Michelle Rodriguez died in the fighting, and it was it's very sad. So instead of resurrecting um, his dead wife, he resurrects Michelle Rodriguez because Michelle Rodriguez was actually more of a mom to his daughter um, because her daughter, his daughter knows her better. And, you know, her mom died years ago when she was just a little, little girl. So she doesn't really remember her. But Michelle Rodriguez has basically been her actual mom this whole time. So Chris Pine decides to resurrect Michelle Rodriguez instead. And they are happy and together again. And they go off on adventures, I think. Something probably, you know, a, a general upbeat, happy ending where all the bad guys are defeated, Hugh Grant gets his comeuppance. He's not dead or anything, but uh, you know the real bad guys are dead, and uh, that's it. Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. I think I got most of the important beats, big stuff, yeah, fun adventure, crazy shenanigans, um, and all the characters. Cool. So yeah, this. I mean, we are a little late. Not too bad. I think when it come out, coming out about a month ago now, I guess mid March, I think. So, um, but. Uh, it got pretty well, you know, received reviews and was doing very well. And I don't personally, I'm, I'm happy that we're going to take some time to talk about it because 
I'll just say it right up front. I really like this film. It was a, I enjoyed it a lot. It was super fun. It was um, funny. It was light and breezy when it needs to be, but it actually had weight. It had good thematic kind of like elements to it. I liked all the characters. I liked the actors. And on top of all that stuff, uh, and maybe a relevant conver- you know, topic based on some previous conversations we had, it also did fan service. What, you could have all those good things that, you know, you want a movie to have and have fan service and references? Weird. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. Not perfect. There's some, you know, criticisms I have for sure, but really just like a pleasant, awesome surprise. And I'm, I'm, excited that this may become more of a franchise like you know dungeons and dragons such a unique kind of property that doesn't have to be a single storyline or single set of characters though i did like all if not most of the most if not all these characters and would be happy to see them all return so anyways that's my take what about you guys and why don't you take this yeah sure uh yeah i really really like this movie it was <clears throat> i think partially because I think it it was hard to have any sort of expectations for the movie, and so you just kind of like, all right, this will be just a, a maybe a, a hopefully a fun romp, and it 100% delivers on that. Um, just a, a good time at the movies. And I don't know if you guys got it, but before the um, feature presentation, there was a little one of those things where the cast is oh, yeah. you know kind of speaking <laughs> uh-huh. to the audience like thanks for coming back to the theater guys you know this was meant to be seen in the on the big screen blah 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 all this like this weird sort of propaganda thing that we've been yeah. kind of seeing lately um and yeah i think i as much as i kind of rolled my eyes at that i was like yeah you know what this this is the you know perfect kind of just popcorn movie going fun adventure that it takes itself perfectly serious enough, has good pacing, and it's just a good romp the whole way through. Um, so yeah, I have I have almost nothing like negative, I guess. To, I mean, yeah, nothing at least strongly negative to say about the movie. I just overall it was a great fun fun old time. Um, and yeah, I I echo what Sean was saying about I you know just kind of seeing more movies in this world they've created. Um, not being necessarily like you know super unique or anything, but it had a presence and it had an identity. And yeah, as soon as the movie ended, I was like, oh man, when when is more? When do I get more of this? Um, and I think that's like mm-hmm. almost like the best feeling that you can have leaving a movie, um, in a way. So yeah, that's that's my take. Always leave them wanting more. There you go. Okay, well, it's going to be very very difficult for me to be um, objective on this because. Um, uh, this movie was my first experience seeing a movie in Regal 40X. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know if it's always this bad. Um, because, you know, they, they have... Um, I was very impressed by the setup in the theater. Um, they had moving lights, which never got used during this performance. I don't know if they were down or if they just didn't decide to program them in. Uh, snow machines, which did get used, water machines, fog machines. Um, wow, jeez. Uh, yeah, there. Though I think I could see there were two fog machines, one on either side of the screen, and only one of them ever came on. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't really put much faith in Regal to be maintaining these special effect things, like when they can barely maintain their concession stand. Um, <laughs> and uh, but you know, and there's some strobes and stuff. But the main thing is that your seats move, um, and yeah. uh, so. Anytime there's a fight scene, every kick, yeah. every punch, every throw 
knocks your seat from one extreme position to the other. If you're leaning to the left, it in like a fraction of a second knocks you all the way to the right. So if you want to know what it's like to get beat up for two hours, um, then yes, I would recommend watching this movie in 40X. Uh, yes, in 40X. Um, now, I, I, so I'm just going to take a little bit, you know, to talk about 40X just so we can get out of my system. Um, you know, being somebody who designs lights and other theatrical effects, I could see the potential in this format. And I kind of feel like because there's a lot of movies that are just getting put into this format, I kind of feel like the design of it was lazy. Um, and I don't know if there's like a, like some kind of automated thing, like a, a program, like an algorithm that you can put a movie through and it bases it off on audio or whatever, but it felt like a very lazy design. And I felt like somebody who was more capable of, you know, designing for theater and spent more time on it and really put more thought into it could make a really great experience out of any movie with this format. That was not the case here, and um, Maeve and I were by the end of the trailers going, "Oh God, we did we make a mistake?" Wait, the trailer. So the trailers were also in forty. Yes, 40. Okay, yes. Yeah. Oh. Just, yes. So <laughs> by the end of the trailers, we're like, "Uh, well, you know, we paid the upcharge. Uh, let's uh, whatever. Let's let's give it a shot." So uh, the reason why we chose to see this in forty X is because we've been kind of like. Just going, okay, when a movie comes along that looks fun, but we don't really care about, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll use that movie. And that was this movie. I didn't yeah. really care about it. I couldn't get a sense of whether I was going to like it or not based on the trailer. I don't care really about Dungeons & Dragons as a concept, like, or as, a, or as an IP, I guess I should say. I like the concept of role-playing fine, just fine enough. But I, I had very little interest in this movie. Um, so putting all the nonsense that is 40X aside, I thought the movie was enjoyable. I thought it was pretty good. Um, and I've kind of been on the 50-50 of whether I should go back and watch it properly. Um, and the fact that I'm feeling that way is, I guess, indicative of my feeling of the movie. You know, like, it, it is... It it's, is a, it's, I guess, a testament that it somehow you still... are kind of wanting to see it again maybe despite the 40 right i'm like i i know that i would have enjoyed it more if i just saw it in regular theater yeah but did i do i recognize enough of the positives of this movie to actually make me want to go out and take the time and go sit through this movie again that's kind of where i'm at um because i had to watch it ignoring all the craziness going oh, okay this is objective this is a good scene and this is a good scene oh this has good tone to it this is fun you know like i was yeah. kind of yeah. analyzing it on like a um i don't know like a, a a mathematical level like i'm looking at the pieces going this piece plus this piece equals good movie this you know <laughs> yeah. like but my enjoyment was severely impacted so um that's my starting point and that's why i feel like I'm not the best person to talk about this movie. So uh, that being said, I would say I generally came away from the movie with positive thoughts, but not overwhelmingly positive. So there you go. There's my initial thoughts. Take it away from here. Um, I'm going to follow your guys' lead on this one. <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I know me, both Sean and I have shared our 40X experiences to yes. much of our confusion and frustration, I suppose you could say. Um, so I don't know if that enticed you to go or you're like, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> I'm willing to take the chance myself. I don't know. But 
Um, yeah, my experience was not a positive experience with that, and I have not done it since. So, do you remember what movie it was? Yeah, it was The Matrix. I went to go see like the 20th anniversary or some 25th. I don't know. Oh, whatever. okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so that yeah. was a movie that you already knew that you liked. So, right, and I and I I think that maybe made it so I could acknowledge its value mm-hmm. more because obviously I, Matrix is a great movie. It's super fun. It, we know what it's gonna what the story is, etc. And so if you're to add the layer of 40x on top of it, did that enhance my experience? No, it it enhanced wouldn't be the right word. It made it more confusing, jarring, all the things, <laughs> Matt, you just went through. Um, I, 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 I guess, like, when, in retrospect, what I should have done is I should have seen um, Spider-Man No Way Home in this format. Because I saw that movie, like, five or six times in theaters. And oh, yeah. like I could have gone like your experience having you saw I'm you've probably seen the Matrix countless times yeah I I probably could have gone going okay I've gotten enough enjoyment out of this movie watching it regularly I'm gonna go in and I could just focus on how they're designing for these special effects and for my thoughts about 4DX as a concept in a more like with a control variable you know like a, yeah. with a control right. item mm-hmm. so I, and I didn't do that and I wish I had. Um, because I feel like I owe it to this movie to watch it again, you know. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, my experience was in was with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, I think, and and I don't feel like that movie because I have seen that movie since without 4D, and the 4D was obnoxious in that, and it did not help that movie. That is for sure. But I don't think, like, I mean, I guess I would have liked it more. I would have liked the experience more. Because, but yeah, that. Yeah, the 4D thing, I don't, I, I just don't, uh, it's like one of those things where it's just like an, an idea from an executive that doesn't like understand <laughs> movies or something or like the media is like, yeah, this is what people want, right? They want, they want like virtual reality, but in a movie theater and it doesn't make sense. Cause like you're saying, Chewie, in an action scene, every time someone gets punched, it's like, it just is more confusing than anything. Yeah. Not to mention the like literal physical discomfort, but just like, wait, am, am I supposed to be Chris Pine getting punched? Because he's on screen, so it's right. not if like it's not a video game where it's first person and I'm the and, how, and so. But then it's also shaking when other characters. So it's like, am I all the characters? But the character <laughs> is moving to the right on screen, but right. it's my left. But the scene is moving to the left. Like that's so why. None of it- <laughs> that's why I use the word lazy. That's a good summation <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, because there are moments that work really well. Um, anytime that there's those very beautiful sweeping camera shots of the countryside as the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the helicopter shots and the, the chairs are just gently drifting, like, you know, like a Soren over California situation Yeah, works perfectly. You know, you have some oh, yeah, yeah, fog yeah. and you have, you just gently moving. And then there's like scenes where they're on like a, a wagon or, a, you know, a carriage and the seats lightly vibrating with the the rhythm of of the cart that they're riding in or or whatever stuff yeah. like that that's good it should augment it it should not be the main attraction which is why i think if care was taken and time was taken for these movie releases you could make really really good products out of it and you could really make a big deal of it and i think people would like it and you could actually get the butts in the seats and charge a lot like i feel like 40x has a lot of potential and it's completely wasted right now because i can't think i can't imagine anybody being like oh yeah i gotta see it that format it's just another i mean if you go to if it, like there's a theater close by that's like a 20 screen and they have 
for some of these, you can see it normally, you can see it in 3D, you can see it in 4DX, you can see it in ScreenX, you can see it in IMAX, and you can also see it in Regal, what's it called? Fancy Regal... RPX? Uh, RPX. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> That's what, seven formats I just listed to see the same movie? Yeah. They're just giving you reasons, like, they're just like, okay, let's give them all these options and upcharge all of them so that we can increase the chances of people spending more on a ticket, you know, because that, a a cut of it goes to the studios, most of the ticket prices go to the studios, movie theaters make more, most of their money on concessions, so I have a feeling that these upcharges mostly go to the theater, Um, but at any rate, Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the actual movie. Since we have another movie yeah, yes, to talk about after this. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we we mentioned kind of our kind of overall thoughts and stuff, but the uh, the world of D&D is interesting, right? There was that movie in the early 2000s that was pretty unsuccessful and not great and forgettable. and But otherwise, it's interesting that this IP has never really been tried in film i guess that was the one time when they're like oh well, that, so that wasn't it. apparently that was a, a trilogy um they call it the D trilogy it, it was oh yeah so there was the the first one which i did see um although i saw yeah. i've only i actually only saw it a few years back honestly because i just heard it was so bad it did have jeremy irons which was cool yeah. and i had the girl from something else but anyway um yeah it was pretty bad i mean no it was really bad uh, I didn't. I did not see the other ones. I am kind of cur- curious. I did not know they made. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So they they came out in two thousand, two thousand five, and twenty twelve. Yeah. So yeah, Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons, Wrath of the Dragon God, and Dungeons and Dragons: The Book of Vile Darkness. That's a cool title. Yeah, it is a cool title. It's kind of, but yeah, yeah. So this is the fourth one, and it's oh, the re- okay. it's well, the reboot. It's yeah. a soft reboot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, as Sean, you were saying, like, you know, the D&D world, although D&D itself is, I mean, it's technically a rule set. This movie is set in the, <laughs> yeah. in, so it's weird yeah. to call it D&D because that, it would be called, like, it'd be like, so, or uh, it would be like Monopoly. Monopoly is just the, the game mechanics. You yeah, can then exactly. have it's or you know, it'd be better. It's like Mario it's set Monopoly in the world of baseball. Star the Wars rules Monopoly of baseball. And... Yeah, the baseball. Right, but but I, I guess they're just trying to <laughs> yeah. like where no, you steam yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it and obviously Farron's is the most popular, I suppose, setting. But whatever the Forgotten Realms or whatever it's called. But um, yeah. so any anyway, yeah, like, and I guess I I don't actually re- know what the other movies were set in. Or or whatever but um yeah any, anyway it, that's not really that important i suppose I, sorry yeah just bring it up though is just that that this is a i think a great um you know uh depiction of that realm um both the yes both the aesthetic uh because i think that they did really do a really good job of making it feel like the world of Dungeons and Dragons, whatever that can be, right? There's, you know, yeah. like you said, around the rules or the video games, or I know there's comic books and whatever, just like all the ancillary, all the D and D out there. It felt like that stuff. Oh, my stupid phone go off again. Um, it felt like all that stuff, but then also it, it properly adapted it to the medium of film. 
Um, yeah. And then, so, you know, we I mentioned this in the, well, not my, in the summary, but my other thoughts, is that all those references were like, yes, these are some very specific things from D&D. All the bad, or the, all, all the monsters, all the enemies, all the magic Specific magic spells, Loc- the locations, locations the, yeah. like right, and, all these and characters are dr- and characters. All these things are directly from the overall Dungeons and Dragons lore. Yeah, but and I guess I'll just ask you, Chewie, did you get any of those references? No, exactly right. Yeah. And I've talked to other friends who did not either. And I myself got some of them, but I know a lot of things went over my head. But me not getting those references did not detract from the movie, right? Like right. I. I, it doesn't. Oh yeah, okay. I assume that was maybe something, and but even if it's not something, it doesn't mean that it's you know any less enjoyable if I didn't get like oh that was from you know Baldur's Gate two and blah blah or whatever. Right. In any case. Yeah. Uh, no. And I will say conversely, I probably I'll, I'll just say I probably got maybe a little bit more than you, but I know because I'm not even really know what I'm talking about to be honest with you, but I played the games the video games that that's where yeah. my that's where my knowledge comes from i which you know and how how close that is to the original content who knows but I- anyway the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is that yeah not noticing or, or getting these references does not detract from the experience at all and i and i'll also yeah. say that getting those references didn't feel like a oh i know that it felt like it was organic to the world it felt like yeah. oh yeah they're going to water deep or where do they go neverwinter Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that that is a well-known location in the world. It's a very popular mm-hmm. hub. It's a major city. So it makes sense that they would go there because there's some big activity occurring, right? Based on the, the story. Yeah. But and I th- I thought that was an was an excellent integration of kind of the fan service stuff, like where it made sense to include them as part of the story. Oh yeah, Red Wizards, they're popular evil dudes. Cool. That can be a nemesis. That integrates really nicely. Um, different spells, different whatever. Those are all mm. part part of the lore that they're organically integrating, and I I thought that was really cool. And like, did it matter that I know that time spot stop is a level nine mage spell? <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't matter. Everyone knows yeah. what it does, even if you have no clue what magic is. Oh, it stops time. Cool, got it. Let's move on. Right. I think yeah. that was just the, a perfect balancing, uh, and, and like I said, integration of those elements, which I very much appreciate. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, I guess we've kind of been talking about a lot of the detail and stuff. But really, the best part of the movie, at least for me, was the character stuff. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, all these characters are so lovable, and it helps that they got really, you know, Chris Pine is infinitely enjoyable in whatever he's doing. So you know, that helps a lot. But everyone really, and the relationships they have, the the banter, both funny and fun. Um, I will say that my biggest criticism of the film is is character stuff and that is i feel like a lot of the sequences a lot of the characters don't always have a lot to do whereas i wish there was more like specifically the druid kind of character um yeah i I wish i wish she there's a lot of scenes where she's just kind of there she has no lines and she's just kind of running and to a certain extent even like you know michelle rodriguez at parts and stuff um it's again it's a it's not a nitpick, but I think overall it's a minor criticism. But um, that's just because when they are working, and which is most of the film, I think it's so great. And it's like, oh, and they all have like arcs, like they like, yeah. And not that they're complex or nuanced and super like whatever. I'm not necessarily. We don't need a 
crazy, intricate, in-depth arc that is layered of... No, these are pretty well-drawn, very obvious arcs, but they're there and they work and they're, you know, they're, they're, they add to these characters. Like, right. We, we can acknowledge them and appreciate them when they pay off. Right. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And, and even like the, the character sort of just archetypes, even though you might, they might be kind of like broadly painted, they still work and give each character enough of their own personality. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I think a lot of that does come from uh, the actors themselves, like, they, you know, they're yeah. given the template, um, and I think actually Michelle Rodriguez. I think she actually does play D and D. Oh, okay. Cool. I, well, because yeah, she, yeah. I, I think she is friends with with Vin Diesel, and Vin Diesel oh, we all yeah, know is a I huge know, he, nerd yeah. uh, in yeah. in this regard. Anyway, um, so I, th- anyway, and so I think that is these characters kind of kind of falling fitting into their roles it kind of allows them to say okay this is my role within the party but then and then from there they can kind of play with it and build the build the character out and i do i do agree with you in terms of the tiefling character the 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 girl with the horns um she i think i I wanted more from her a little more development from her but i but it's hard to complain because they managed to jam what six yeah. five six characters and give them all interesting arcs and personalities yeah. and all the good those things so i um it's a minor it's a minor thing yeah that's like i agree it's a minor thing it, it's just but it is it's still a thing it's still there would have yeah. been nice if she had and i think also like sometimes there is and and this is again this kind of goes closer into the realm of nitpicky stuff but like they they do a good job of setting up her powers. She could turn into animals, and there's the whole sequence where she's flying through Neverwinter and kind of turning into different animals, which is a cool, fun sequence. But then there are other sequences where, like, an actual like, why isn't she turning into an animal? Do turn yeah. into an animal now, like yeah. like those type of things, which I think are you know sometimes more legit criticisms than other times. Sometimes it's just being nitpicky, but I definitely had that thought at points. That, yeah, but overall, it didn't detract from the film in general. No, it, it, yeah, but but yeah, totally agree. And and that one, the one big sequence where she's cha- she changes into probably what three or four different animals in like yeah, there's yeah. an escape thing. Um, yeah. Like that was it was almost like oh that was really like a lot of changing and, and wildness. Yeah. That I wasn't really expecting from the movie to do this massive CG sequence, and it was a it was really fun, and I think it worked, but also like it would have been fine without it. It's like, that's one of the things I kind of liked about this movie is that it didn't, it didn't feel like a modern Hollywood Mm, jam it full of CG and make everything bombastic. No, this is, it's coming back to the roots of, of fun, a fun time of the movies. It's based on the characters being interesting and you care about them. Um, and just having like a fun, a fun setting and a fun premise for them and, and villain to defeat, right? And I think that's, I think for me, that's the, probably the strength of this movie is, and I think that's the reason why you say that it leaves you wanting more because the stakes can go higher. And, you know, with, mm-hmm. with a lot yeah. of the stuff that yeah. we've been seeing lately, it's like when the universe is at stake, every movie, eventually that's going to get old. Oh, yeah, agree. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. It, and I think that it's, it maybe it, in that sense, restraints, a good word to use Yes, and that they said, yeah. okay, look, we're, it's not like the whole world's going to explode because of this villain. It's like, okay, can it just be something manageable? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Can we be reasonable um, here? Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing that works too is that it captures, you know, I think uh, a degree of what you get when you play D anD D. Both both the video video games, but I think more specifically the tabletop stuff. And that is this idea that like, okay, we're going on a little quest. That like, you no, know, there's there's generally when you're playing D anD D, there's probably some larger arc to what you're doing. But in order to kind of do that, you're playing little episodic little adventures, little journeys, little smaller quests, right? And the structure of this film, I think, definitely, like, intentionally tapped into that idea of, like, okay, now we're going to go get this little item. We have to get this item to do this, but we have to go do this first. And each op- each little adventure that they went on was often, there was action, and, you know, so, you know, it, it instilled the more action-y side of D&D, but not always. There was a lot of great sequences that were just about, like, conversing and like figuring things out and like not anything crazily high-minded but just like simple things just like when they're talking to the dead guys and like i can see that absolutely playing DD with the party and you're around you're gathering and your friends are around the table and the dungeon master's like you got five questions and like okay so what question do we want to ask okay this one question you know what i mean like it felt like put it's tapped into that feeling of playing yeah and i think that's honestly probably my biggest spotlight for this movie is mm-hmm. being able to capture gameplay. And, and yeah. we just got we just went through the Mario review and I think we mm-hmm. talked a lot about, you know, that franchise and how, what is it that makes yeah. it a Mario IP? Is it the gameplay? How do you capture that properly? To, much to my surprise, D&D somehow did that. It if, if anything yeah. they captured, sure they make references to specific locations and things. But it felt like D&D because it felt like what it was to be to play the game now technically speaking i've actually not played D, but i played pathfinder and that's pretty much the same thing yeah. it's a tabletop adventure experience yeah, yeah. and when you are there with your party and you're getting into shenanigans because that's what all these things are they feel like little shenanigans yeah. that have purpose and but you're doing it with your friends and that's what kind of what gives it value right yeah and and i think the movie does a good job of understanding that um but uh even in sort of like the humor and i think michelle rodriguez got this probably the best where she is you know she is that straight kind of stalwart barbarian character but the and the humor isn't like hitting you over the head with a hammer it's just kind of there and it's the exact kind of humor i i'm familiar with when i when i engage in these kind of things so even though like sean like you said the the nuts and bolts of like kind of the things that you're doing feel the same it's also just the kind of the energy that you get from yeah. your friends. The way you're doing them. They also yeah. kind of captured that vibe too, is how, how they did it was almost as important as what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it, it gets a lot of props for, again, how do you capture gameplay in, mm-hmm. you know, it, so we can't, this is not a video game adaptation, but it's, I don't know, maybe it's the best game adaptation. Yeah. Right. Like I think it is really kind of fun and cool that we're doing it right after the Mario movie. Um, all right, go listen to our episode on that, listeners. Um, but, and all of our thoughts on that and adapting a game and everything we had to say about it. And here, adapting a game of a different sort, but I think in a lot of ways doing what we were hoping the Mario movie would do, right? And, right. and still staying true to the game, at, like what we loved about those Yeah, it is, it is in adaptation, finding out what is it that people love about mm-hmm. the original and how do you translate that into a new medium. Yes. Yeah. And, I, oh, and yeah, I think I, I would agree. I think that what you're saying about this movie, I think it it really does that very well. 
Um, not only having a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of role playing experience, I can still get that flavor. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like we were saying with the graveyard scene, that is is great. Yeah, it's a great example, and it's a great example of where the Marvel movie did not. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you were even talking about, like when on the Mario's like, oh, if you're playing with your brother and like the the cooperation and sometimes the antagonism between playing together Mario with your friends, like, oh, that would have been cool if they somehow capped. Nope, they didn't really even try to try to capture that. Right. That's fine, I guess. Yeah. But they did it in D and D, and I think it's just yeah, it's great. It's super right. fun. It, it, um, and it shows how effective that can be when when executed, yeah. right? Like when. when yeah. Um. I also think too that like it was a really solidly funny movie now i wouldn't call it like a laugh out loud laugh a minute kind of thing like i'm not going to compare it with like even some of the funnier well i could compare but i think like some of the funnier marvel films but it was a piece of those like it reminded me of some of the same fun and funniness that i had with ragnarok or guardians of the galaxy right like i think yeah it's it's light and it's upbeat yes it's breezy Um, and it keeps you in a good mood even when the stakes are high, high and you're invested in what's happening you're still yeah. feeling in a good mood. Um, all the, all the, I mean, Chris Pine, Chris, Chris Pine, I think was great. Like even the opening little sequence, when he has this plan to break him out, and he's just constantly, he's like, eh, what was his name, Brandon? Like, is, is Brandon on his way? Oh, was Jonathan. And John, Jonathan, yes. Well, I have to. Dis- he, he, I, I yeah. really think we got away for Jonathan, yeah. like that whole thing. That and then, funny. as they're breaking free, he's like, "We were going to give it to you." Yeah. I don't know. I was. La- I, I thought that was that a point. great opening. Like it just had yeah. me cracking up. Like, okay, this you, yeah. you've perfectly set the tone, yeah, the flavor, a perfect setup. Yeah. And also, like the fact that his name was Jonathan, I was laughing <laughs> so hard. And then at the end, where he comes back, because yeah. also, like, I don't know, in, in your guys's sort of. Uh, tabletop experiences but sometimes we get to name npcs <laughs> and, and so when we so we always come up with like very silly names like jarge clooners and like and so like jarnathan is the, exactly the kind of name we would have made up for an npc just like what wait are you saying jarnathan like what is it just oh, it was so funny yeah. to me and yeah um another scene that i think did a good job of adding some layer to the comedy. If you are familiar with D and D like some of the specifics, but don't have to be is the introduction introduction of justice Smith. uh, I forgot his character name, but the sorcerer guy when they're at his little show. Right. And he's like this kind of wannabe failed sorcerer. That's not actually really doing magic or like, you know, impressive magic, but he still does like, if you play D and D, you know, like when you're creating a character and you're on like the lowest level magic character, you have these like really stupid little magic spells that don't do anything. Like you could make it smell like grass if you want, or you could like make sparks. And I was like, Oh, they're, they're putting that in the film. It's, right. it's both a reference, but it's doing world building and character building. And it's funny. Like, right. oh, it, it's, good job. No, right. I thought that was great. And even the, the blur, right? He's like, look, I'm making myself yes. blurry. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. blur is Why, an actual spell. It's an actual <laughs> yeah, spell. Yeah, right? Like, it's it's almost, it's self-aware. And it's, it's it's not like deriding D&D, but it's poking fun. Like, right. it's teasing in the same way. Like, if you play D&D, you make fun of these spells, right? It's like, again, it's cap tapping into that vibe of people who play it, but you don't need to play it. And the humor still hundred percent works. Another joke that I thought was great yeah. was when near the end, when Chris Pryant, Chris can't say his name, but he's playing for the guards 
and then it like goes wrong oh, and his yeah. face just like starts <laughs> distorting. I, I mean, that was super CG, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I was cracking up on that. No, it, it, it totally was, worked for yeah. me. I was just like, oh my God, what is happening in this movie right now? Like, And I like that it's willing yeah. to kind of go off the rails just a little bit like that, yeah. just to kind of like exactly. keep you off balance just enough. Like, so yeah. it doesn't, yeah. So yeah, it's just like all these little things kind of that are just kind of yeah. well and good taste, like really pay off. Um, yeah. Um, trying to think. Also, Hugh, I was like, I was surprised how much Hugh Grant was. He's the he's the antagonist in this film. I, I kind of mentioned, you know, I mentioned him in the mm-hmm. summary, but I was surprised that it's like, oh, I thought there was gonna be like one or two scenes where he kind of shows yeah. up as a cameo. But oh man, he's in this film a lot, and he's great. Like he, he is really actually really sells, good. Yeah, yeah. He he really sells that character of just like this, just condescending squirmy weasley kind of guy and i don't i thought i thought his performance was a lot of fun um and also a lot of good humor moments there too yeah i actually i I think his role can go a little underappreciated because i like that he was the antagonist but he he didn't have some mastermind plan really yeah he was just yeah like you said he was just kind of like a scummy dude that kind of wanted to get his own and it's kind of cool that he actually did care about the girl. Like I was like, oh, that's actually dimension yeah, to his character that they could have easily just said, nope, he's a complete scumbag. He doesn't care, yeah. and he just kind of like wants to cash out and and get out of dodge. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of a refreshing take. I mean, yeah. obviously the red wizard gal wants to do yeah, more the of various actual things. threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I actually liked Hugh Grant's character, and I I could easily see them bringing him back if they wanted to do yeah, more of these. Sure. And, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I did. I got. I have to mention the Paladin character. I think he. Oh yeah, yeah. God, it's just another example of like they knew what they had and they knew not to over, not to like overdo it. Yeah, right. When he leaves, like whatever at the movie is like, oh man, they're like they're legit, like yeah, leaving a character, like yeah. I I, I wish. Yeah. That, that again, I think it, it takes a lot of like restraint to say like, oh, this character is mm-hmm. going to be great. Let's just. He's in the movie now, and he's gonna be yeah. so funny the whole time. And and it's like, no, he he did his he did his piece, and now he's out. And every moment he was on camera, it he he earned his presence, and it was great. Yes. But they didn't overdo it. Um, so yeah. w- what I was afraid when they first introduced that character, it was that he was going to basically be kind of the Drax kind of thing, where it's like he takes everything so literally, and he his sense of humor is not really there. But I think what was actually really great. Is and it was may, maybe subtle's too strong a word for it, but was a little more subtle is that he is self he's trolling everyone. Yeah. He knows he like oh, yeah. he's pretending to be this dense, but like these little moments of him acknowledging and almost kind of winking, like mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just trolling these guys. I'm yeah. making fun of them. Like and like and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I love it. And yeah. that, and like and again, it plays into a little bit of if you play D and D and these types of characters or how you're playing these characters. I don't know. I just thought like it was just a really fun slight twist on something that was familiar enough but yeah but they made it their own and, yeah. no and, and yeah. you you raise a good point like because you know paladins have to be these you know yeah. stalwart they're lawful good they have to be yeah. always upholding the law and being righteous yeah. so it's oftentimes becomes a very boring character to play yeah especially in a group of thieves and and miscreants yeah yeah so they like no this is this is what's up. This is how this works. And you're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. that is just so brilliant. Um, and and his, and then just like his le- his last scene where he's leaving, 
He's like he's 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 walking right towards that rock. What, is he gonna move? move <laughs> oh, yeah, or is he just gonna walk? Nope, he's just gonna right just walk right, right over. It. over it. Okay. I was laughing yeah, so was hard. That was so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we can't spend forever. So I don't. Is there yeah. any last kind of big thoughts that we wanted to touch on? I, you know, overall, we all generally seem to enjoy it in varying degrees. Um, but any other major things worth bringing up before we kind of move on? No, I, I think no, that, that covers I, it. I, I think I can tell that, you know, based on what was there, I would have really enjoyed this a lot uh, in any other situation. <laughs> yes. um, so I think I, I probably, it is still playing with a, a yeah, full Yeah, I mean, I'm glad showings. it's been so successful. Yeah. It's yeah, really fun yeah. to like that. It's, it's funny, too, that because Ryan and I went to this panel at Comic-Con, mm-hmm. and it was actually a really fun panel. And unfortunately, actually, they showed the climax is like they not the whole thing, but the the labyrinth, the maze, mm-hmm. which is like kind of the climax of the movie, which is a cool sequence. Oh, I they love showed. that sequence. Like, oh, oh, great. Right. Like yeah. it's an awesome. But that's what they showed at Comic-Con. So I was like, oh, man, I know what the climax yeah, of this movie is going to be. I was. Yeah. It did ruin it a little um, bit. But. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm super glad it's successful. And it's just fun. Like, yeah, I, I, I like I said, I would be very happy if this becomes another IP in the space of bajillion dollar IPs and entertainment, you know, whatever. This is something that um, is unique enough that sets itself apart from the others while still being familiar in all the ways I want it to be. The fun, adventurous, you know, yeah. re- you know, uh, group relationship based um, adventure stuff. Um, yeah. And I don't know, just just quick list for any D and D fans out there. A lot of uh, you know they got they got gel, gelatinous cubes. They got mimics. They got that pant. What's that? The displacement beast yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, they got the black tentacles. They got a ton of spells. There was magic missile. Like we said, there was blur. There was the chain lightning. There was like um, uh, where they got trapped by the, the last fight scene too. That's where they kind of just like like super indulgent and i think it was great because they kind of built up to that where they're all just using all these different magic oh, yeah like, there's the giant stone hand coming yeah, out yeah. and like all that like uh, it was very exciting cathartic awesome action scene yeah just and everyone it, it is kind of cool like one of the characters is a descendant of elminster that's kind of oh like yeah yeah that little, was great which too. again they yeah. actually found a way to integrate that into his yeah. personal storyline it's like oh man that's yeah. so good uh, even the twist on like uh, the red dragon, just like oh man, a red dragon, and then it's like it's still threatening, but just like a oh. funny, unique like way of doing it, right? Like so. That was yeah, and, great. and, and um, but they even that they found a way to like no his the fact that it's it's not what you're expecting in terms of like oh a yeah. big beast, but that itself becomes part yes. of how they have to maneuver and defeat yeah, it, right? It's, yeah. it's just it's just really clever the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, yeah, if you haven't already seen it, listeners, go see it. It's a lot of fun. Still in theaters. Um, yeah, good good stuff. Um, are we ready to move on, then, to our next film in our buffet of films? I'm ready. Yeah, let's do cool. it. All right, well, um, yeah. yeah, we're off to a Renfield. Um, another movie, actually, I don't know if you guys realize, it's also a Chris McKay film. I mean, kind of. Oh. I, I, he didn't direct it, I don't no, he did direct it. I'm sorry. He directed He directed it. I don't think he wrote it though. No, I don't No, he directed he directed it and produced it. Okay. Where I think he he wrote Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Well, so okay, it's a different okay. it's a different thing, yeah. but he's involved in a big way. <laughs> um okay, well here is the so spoilers for Renfield. Um so the story goes that 
hundreds of years ago, or I don't know, like a hundred years ago, Dracula is in his Dracula castle and um, the, the Renfield character shows up and through circumstances, Renfield becomes Dracula's familiar, which is essentially a servant with benefits. Um, he kind of goes out and gets Dracula food as, as to say human, human beings. Um, and he's also bestowed with some gifts like powers and such. Um, well, Dracula is attacked in his castle um, by some vampire hunters and he's about to be defeated but Renfield rescues him um, but in the process Dracula is like severely injured well essentially almost is de- destroyed um, so he has to kind of go in hibernation for hundreds of years or something so they move to um, uh, New Orleans New Orleans um, and it's like a hundred years later it's, it's basically the, now the modern age it's now current time and renfield's kind of just doing his thing he's still getting food for his master but due to modern things sensibilities he's kind of awakening to the fact that he's not he's codependent with dracula and is you know it's a toxic relationship we'll put it that way um so he joins a self a 12-step program to kind of to you know where they like there's like discussion groups and they talk about their issues and and he's very reluctant to make any steps towards progress um uh, but through this he discovers like he's again he's trying to get food for his master and he um he kind of hunts down these bad guys because he's still a human being and doesn't want to be completely evil so he tries to only find like criminals if he can um so he gets like these drug dealer type dudes um and he's going to bring them to dracula but during this activity uh like the the mafia essentially shows up because they're gonna kill the drug dealer guys but renfield because he has kind of some powers he basically kills all of them and brings them back to his map to dracula in this whole fight scene um one of the mob dudes kind of flees and as he flees, he runs into Aquafina, who's a cop in this movie, and she she captures him, brings him back to the police station, but is he's released because the whole police department is corrupt and he's a big mob guy. Um, uh, in the meantime, so yeah, so now the Aquafina character is hunting down this this Teddy character, the mob. She's trying to hunt him down. She's dedicated to doing that. Also, like her dad was killed by them, something. So she's extra committed um so right so renfield is uh he goes to talk to dracula dracula says, give me more food so he goes and tries to do that um but as he does that he's attacked by mob members and him and aquafina defeat those mob members and they kind of team up and he learns to stand up for himself from aquafina so he gets his own apartment and gets a sweater and starts learning how to be his own guy but then dracula's not happy with this so he hunts him down and gets mad at him and then kills all his friends um that's not good in the meantime the mob members kind of or kind of find a way to meet up with dracula and kind of make a partnership because dracula wants to take over the world or something and renfield teams up with aquafina 
and they go attack the mob people's house where Dracula is. It's a big old fight. Renfield and Aquafina win, and they kill everyone. They they try to kill Dracula, but they, you know, he's Dracula, so they kind of leave it ambiguous. Um, and you know, it's, it, it, Renfield learns to um be independent, and also he resurrects all his friends with Dracula's blood. The end. So yeah, that was Renfield. I, th- I think I got it. It was yeah. I think you, I think you did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, more I, or less sums it up. Yeah. Not super complex movie. No, I probably took longer than I probably should have even to explain the whole thing. But in any case, there it is. What did we think about it? Um, well, okay, uh, I'll jump in. Um, yeah. I uh, I went into this one with low expectations. I was honestly like sick of the trailer for it and just like uh, Nicolas Cage and. I don't, uh, 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 well, we want to go to the movies tonight, so I guess it's this one. <laughs> um, and I loved it. I really, uh, I don't know. This one, this one did it for me. Um, I actually think that this is a perfect role for Nicolas Cage. I, I loved him as Dracula. Um, the tone was fun. Um, the the excessive gore is like it's maybe I'm just old now, um, but it was like. Okay, they're playing to like the thirteen-year-old boys. All right, I could have done a little less than that. That like, it, but otherwise, uh, yeah, I liked the tone. It was fun, and I I just thought this would be a great Halloween party movie. Um, mm, it's a good yeah, like. Yeah. The plot's not complicated, um, and you can like get up and go get yourself some more snacks and chat with somebody for five minutes on the way back from the kitchen, and it's okay. You can jump back in, and you're gonna still have a good time. Um, you know, it's lots of long choreographed fight scenes and, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's fun. It's a fun, it's a, it's a fun time. I enjoyed this one. Uh, what'd you guys think of it? Um, yeah, overall, it, I found it to be, yeah, an enjoyable experience overall. Um, I, th- I think there was maybe some missed opportunities or just things I wish they had maybe developed more or spent less time. Like you kind of said, like a lot these, like I, I, one thing I didn't know this was going to be such an action movie. Um, Neither did I, I, yeah. Yeah, and and it was kind of bewildering because I was like, oh, I guess this is an action movie. And it kind of felt like it was a little bit out of place. Like, that wasn't what this movie. I I hate to say it's not what it should have been, but um, I don't know. It just felt like I would have liked more character development. Like, the core of this movie was Nick Cage and, well, Dracula and Renfield's codependence and their relationship. Mm -hmm. And I felt like we got very, very little of that. And I think yeah. that, you know, so, but having said that, and we'll get into it more, um, I did still overall find, find it, um, enjoyable. I have some issues like they like, I like that they were, they tried to do these kind of running jokes, but then they either got dropped or uh, underdeveloped. But anyway, th- those are, they're more like minor things that is kind of overall added up to the movie feeling a little uneven, but Matt, I really like your, your take on the movie in terms of like, yeah, this is a perfect like Halloween movie party movie because yeah that's that's exactly where this would be the best way to view this yeah Um, it it feels casual both in its tone and in its attitude towards the people who made it it's yes it's it's casual it is (laughs) it is not shooting for the stars but it is it's it's fun and it's a good time and um i think it's accomplishes what it sets out to do sean what did you think of this 
Yeah, I mean, for the most part, agree. I think maybe I mean I don't I don't want to say I'm negative on it because I'm not at all. I do I did enjoy it, but I just maybe some of the stuff you were saying, Ryan, some of the stuff that maybe didn't add up to a, a, a complete experience that I was hoping for. But I think what I the way I think about it is like I think there's a lot of scenes that really were awesome, fun scenes, and those scenes in isolation were great. And there was a there was a lot of those. So I think overall it was a good film just by being having a lot of those scenes. But a lot of the times it just felt like everything surrounding those scenes didn't always work. And I think that's what you were talking about in some in terms of the character relationship and some of the like kind of motivation. I think also. I think they did a good job with the tone overall. I definitely liked the kind of irreverent, hyper-violent, but kind of cartoony, video gamey Mortal Kombat style violence. But then sometimes I do feel there's a few times where that kind of clashed with how like serious they were trying to be. But then you would have a scene where they're literally stabbing a guy with another guy's dismembered arms. <laughs> and so like the emotional weight that I think they were trying to have didn't always land for me. And it was sometimes just a little bit like off putting, but that being said, yeah, I mean, yeah, Tech Ryan's endorsement of your idea, Chewy. Yeah. A Halloween, Halloween party movie. This is perfect for, um, I think also I probably would have enjoyed it just more in general if I had seen it with other people. Yeah. I just saw it by myself at the theater. And, and, I also think my theater wasn't really into it. Does it, you know, we talk often about going to a theater and sometimes a movie, a theater being into a movie and how that adds to experience. But sometimes if a theater is not into the movie, how that can also negatively hurt. Like no one was laughing at any of the jokes. Like, like to a weird, just like, I was like, ah, and then like no one else was laughing. So I kind of stopped laughing. And then, you know, it was that kind of thing, just like the subtle influence it has on your experience. So, you know, that's not a, you know the film's fault per se but i definitely just felt like my experience was not the best um way for it but i still enjoyed it yeah i suppose i can echo that too because yeah my theater wasn't exactly always responding to certain jokes and that kind of thing i mean i was the only person in the theater um so (laughs) uh yeah i mean it was I, i spend a lot of time in my class talking about how the arrangement of the audience and you know, within itself and with the performance itself has a vast mm-hmm. and large impact on how you experience whatever it is that you're experiencing. And yeah, co- comedies, yeah. action movies, over the top stuff like this definitely lend itself better to watching it with friends, watching it with an audience who's into it. Yeah. I, I think my audience, you know, it was, I went to like, I think the, the opening opening night um, and they were pretty into it. Like, it, like, you know, it wasn't riotous laughter, but everybody seemed to be enjoying it and having a good time. So, yeah. you know, it, it yeah. felt like a welcoming environment to just kind of, you know, kick back and enjoy it. Uh, Ryan, one of the things you're saying about how you weren't expecting it to be so action heavy, same. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of yeah. the things that I went into going into the movie, you know, is that it, it was, it'd be impossible for me and probably a lot of people to not directly compare this to... Uh, what we do in the shadows, uh, particularly the, yeah, the TV yeah. show, because the TV show does have a lot of action in it. Um, there are a lot of fight scenes. There's a lot of gory fight scenes, um, and you know, a story about where the main character is a, a familiar. Right, it, it's going to cover a lot of the um, same beats, a lot of the same type of humor. Um, so I think that for at least for me, because I that I I hold that show so dear to my heart. I love that show so much. Um, I I think that um, having a more crime, police, 
mob story is what was made me able to put those preconceived uh, biases aside and enjoy this movie more. Um, I think that's why it worked for me. Um, and yeah, the Mortal Kombat baddie stuff is, is kind of what I was talking about. Like at, at a certain point, that's diminishing returns. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's why I could have used to crank it down just a little bit. I'm not some kind of uh, like violence is corrupting our youth, and this is no. It's like I, no, I enjoy that campy violence stuff. You know, just fine. But yeah, yeah, it's you don't want you don't want candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like you know, yeah, some restraint, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. Restraint. I think it was like yeah, because like the initial fight scene of like kind of the ultra crazy violence is kind of like oh it's oh it's one of these size movies ha oh, hell but then i don't I, again i don't know if i wanted to escalate and i mean maybe to an extent but it felt like it was kind of just doing that same joke again right, right? like if you don't think of it in terms of violence but think of it like a joke right it just felt like you're just saying the same joke over and over again yeah there, it, it, there's a sequence yeah. midway through the movie where they're in like um there there's like a they're in a building that has like an open air patio in the center yeah, it's like a apartment. Yeah, complex. and people yeah. are falling off. I love that set piece. I thought that was great. But yeah, that was the cool. level of gore and bloody action violence yeah. that it reaches, it never goes beyond that. Um, yes. So if yeah. that if the climax got to that point and some of the more ridiculous things that were happening, you didn't see until the climax and, and it built, then you you get to the climax and be like, oh my god, that happened. Oh my god, that happened too. Yeah. Like, you know, there's not quite a precedent for it in the movie yet. You know, build that over time and allow it to be the the the, the, the candy at the end of the meal, the dessert. Right? Yeah. You know, and uh, that's why they, they gave away the goods a little too early, I think. Yeah, I, I will say, though, I did, I think, was overall kind of into more the first half. Then the second half, I mean, not that it breaks down so evenly based on that kind of delineation, but by which I mean before it even kind of gets into the action-y stuff, because it's it's a good 20 minutes, I feel like, until there's like a big, and even that first scene in like the warehouse isn't like crazy action, it's not until the restaurant scene where I feel like yeah. it's like, oh, this mm-hmm. is an action movie. Right. Um, and it's a while before it gets there. So I like a lot of it when it is just him interacting with people and with Nick Cage and Aquafina, like... Like, Ryan, I think you were you even mentioned, like, sometimes the jokes don't feel like they paid off or whatever. And I think you're specifically referencing maybe the ska jokes, which yes. I, those were one of the, the few jokes that our, my audience laughed at. And then they said it again. And then it felt like, the, oh, it was a rule of three, but you forgot the third part. Like, yeah, know, that, and that's, where, where I, there should be another. Yeah, joke. there should have been a, yeah. a, an action sequence that. Is in a yeah, location where there's the, a live ska band yeah, playing, Cherry Pop and, and Daddies, right. and, the, and the ska and the lead singer gets yeah. killed in a very brutal, hilarious way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that right? Like it's like, third. oh, yeah, yeah. I compl- I, that's exactly what I was thinking too. Like that. Where's bring it back? Because they the one two punch. You know, the first two instances yeah, were funny. Exactly. Like, oh, th- this is such a weird thing to to make a running joke yeah, that, and that humor it works right yeah. it's a good juxtaposition between the crazy vampire stuff and then they're so specifically talking about scotch just like oh that's funny and quirky and weird and if it's special especially if it came late into the film right you're not expecting the payoff at that it's like right. oh the ska music right oh boom hilarious right yeah. like, it'd be great but th- things like that is what i i think what you're kind of saying where it's like a lot of these yeah. things didn't quite add up all the way yeah. yeah and like that that guy kyle like shut up kyle or Oh, yeah. And yeah. that was kind yeah. of funny just because it's like, I don't know, yeah. just whatever. But again, <laughs> yeah. do, like, get, bring it back, do something with it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I mean, those are two interesting examples or whatever, yeah. but I just kind of like it, 
it adds up to this whole like oh huh it feels unfinished in yeah. a way or something like that um and i agree too joey you were saying that like oh how many times you've seen this trailer and and fortunately i was kind of the same because some of this stuff i i mean just the the ongoing battle between society and trailers that ruin anything that we want to like <laughs> is how much they ruin like like the scene where the the uh the self-help or the help group is kind of like and the leader is kind of talking to him i was like how much better that scene would have been if i hadn't seen it 20 times right already, yeah of course you know, that's trailer? a funny oh. concept that's, yeah right that would be great Pay, it'd be you know unique original and then like why would you say that that line oh they ruined so that in, I, in the because tra- I, I don't think i saw a yes, trailer. yes yes oh yeah that was i genuinely that was one of the things i think i laughed well, it was probably the moment I laughed hardest at in the movie. Like, we won't let him. Yes. Maybe I shouldn't ruin it, but we know full power, full power. Yeah, right. And I was like, that, and he's just like, why would you say it that way? I was like, that's so <laughs> hilarious. I it just, it is. It's a great yeah. sequence, but they show it in the trailer. That's <laughs> not like, good. How would they ruin that? <sighs> Anyways, uh, so again, it's not that. That's not so specifically the film's fault. Right, but it is just kind of like, oh man, there's. I think there. This film probably is better than I kind of feel towards it, and there's just some elements that unfortunately kind of lined up that didn't help it. Um, yeah, I think for me it helped that I was over the movie before I saw it, so so yeah, then I felt true. like, I oh, this is a better experience. <laughs> Maybe than I if I had seen the trailer a few more times, I would have <laughs> reached that level. Um, <laughs> uh, the, I mean, yeah, you know, Nick. Cage is definitely kind of the the scene stealer when he's in those scenes, and it definitely feels like, oh yes, this is as much as he's like you know kind of made fun of for just like doing anything that they put in front of him for the last couple of years. Like, oh, this is what he should be doing. Yes. Right? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. In fact, I I think it's one of those things where like I want to say that oh, I wish there was more of him. Just like mm-hmm. hamming it up, just chewing scenery, just in the movie more but i think maybe that's a good thing that he was in it yeah, you know yeah. what i mean because that that, that could like have... you were just saying like they leave you wanting more yeah of him, yeah right? and so i think they they actually did play his character well in that regard like using him when they should and stuff and it and his character was very much he, he felt like an homage to like old dracula portrayals mm-hmm. um and i like that um i would have liked him to be a little bit I don't know. I mean, he he was really good. I can't really fault too much or any or anything. Just that he was so like just ragey the whole time. Mm. So like, I see. You know, maybe if he played a little bit more softer in some parts, so that yeah, when he gets to the ragey part. It, it, exactly, bigger, exactly. Yeah. He just felt like a, just a rage yeah. lord the whole time, and just like okay, like because yeah, you know, that. and th- that way you kind of he, you know, because again, this and the reason I'm actually mentioning that is kind of. Like, it sort of goes back to his relationship with um, with Renfield in that in order for that relationship to feel codependent and feel like there's a reason for Renfield to be mm-hmm. there besides just being threatened of his life, yeah. right? It, it would help us establish how manipulative Dracula is. If that it shows yeah, him yeah. being cunning and, and soft and, and, and that he like, you know, he does appreciate Renfield in the way that, you know, someone who is manipulative would portray them being, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that's more subtlety or nuance than this movie is even trying to be. So I can't exactly yeah, fault I, it either, you know? Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. There's a scene, there's a couple scenes, but one specifically where there's a, I think it's when Dracula shows up at his apartment or something. And he basically, he's kind of in the rage mode, not like 
yelling per se, but kind of, and he's like saying like, I'm the victim here and stuff like that, right? Like that is great, right? But he's already in rage mode. I wish there was more of him playing that more surreptitiously earlier in the film yeah. where he's painting himself as the victim less directly leading up to that scene. So it's kind of like, right? Yeah. Where it's like, if you were to pitch this movie, I would, you would say like, Oh, imagine uh, Dracula and his, you know, his familiar Renfield as a co-developed, or codependent uh, toxic relationship, and let's explore that. Like, oh, that's a funny yeah. premise, but I don't think they fully do that. It just, like you're saying, it. But then also, it's an action movie, and they yeah. lead into the action movie, right? Yeah, and and that's that's fine. Again, like I, I it, yeah, that's I mean, not the movie. That's getting they into were making, uh, so. that's getting into. You're never going to do it as well as what we do in the shadows territory. Exactly. You know, right? So yeah. you, you've so, got to give the movie you know, a little bit of its own identity. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. Um. Uh, Aquafina also was good. It, it, it's it's funny she actually because I think um, uh, Nicholas Cage was there and Ben Schwartz. Uh, I feel like she was actually like didn't stand out as comedic as she often does. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, she was quirky and like played herself well. But it is just like oh you know yeah, Nick, the Ben Schwartz character <laughs> is like kind of playing the Aquafina character and Nick Cage is kind of taking up some of the oxygen and yep. even Nick Holt who I generally enjoy in everything he had a definitely a good comedic. I think he played a, a good Renfield even if he wasn't like the the standout highlight of the film right i think he did a good job yeah no, i i was almost like because compared to the other ones i was like oh wait is aquafina the straight man in this movie how, what <laughs> yeah, how does, yeah. what reality is this <laughs> yeah it worked for me though it was nice yeah to, no i i, 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 I actually I, don't I, yeah. I, liked, I, I think that this it, movie yeah. had a really good ensemble i was satisfied with the, the yeah. ensemble and, and how much screen time they had mm. and uh the different flavors that they brought to the table i i, I really yeah. liked yeah. The, uh, the the cast overall yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think overall you're right. Yeah, it's good. Um, trying to think. Um, what? Um, so there's one or two beats also that and this kind of goes into some of the, the relationship or kind of character stuff is the relationship between Renfield and Aquafina. I think maybe that also something that I didn't fully buy, and maybe this is being trying to be too, I don't know, too myopic about something that obviously this film isn't like you know so much about that but there was a couple beats where it's just like oh i you betrayed me or i don't trust you because i just saw you murder some people but then i just trusted you after i saw you murder these people and like you know what i mean like there's some of that stuff and that's what i was kind of talking about earlier where like in between these cool scenes or action scenes or cool dracula scenes there's some other stuff that doesn't quite like add up as much to me and i think that was some of the biggest um the most the guiltiest elements of the film in that regard for me anyway i know exactly what you mean um yeah but, uh yeah you know it didn't detract from so much for me yeah so. uh well yeah, yeah i don't know uh for a movie that is a fun overly violent goofy casual movie i don't know how much more depth that we can go yeah, into exactly. it exactly um, yeah for sure and it, it, oh one other tiny thing i want to know at the beginning of the film it opens with like the retro old style dracula style stuff yeah. right where it's black and white and the key line and it's like the old um well like the old dracula film and nosferatu and stuff which i thought was kind of a cool thing but i i i wish they kind of kept that thread going as well like it, during the closing credits, it kind of had like this '70s grindhouse vibe to it. Right. But I wanted something more throughout the film of like homaging other 
vampires or Dracula films or something where they felt like, again, they felt they set something up and never fully, you know, realized it. Yeah. Uh, I like yeah. that when they do that in the, uh, the What We Do in the Shadows show, when they'll take mm-hmm. old paintings and artwork and manipulate yeah. them a little bit while they're explaining events. Like, that painting doesn't have anything to do with what they're talking about, but they it fits the, <laughs> it fits the style or the tone of whatever yeah. the story is. Yeah. And yeah. It's a comedic effect yeah. most hey, of the just time. just a thought I had. Yeah. Yeah, they could have. They had an opportunity for that to hear for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything else more. Really yeah, I don't. To say that that, that kind of covers what I wanted to talk about. Like it. Yeah, as you said, Matt. Like, it's not a super uh, deep movie um, or anything, so it can't get, I guess, too much into it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, my expectations were low, but that being said, I was pleasantly surprised and I enjoyed it, and I would definitely. I would definitely put this on at a Halloween party. I would definitely have yeah, a, a creepy movie night like, with this In fact, one. I was like, uh, if this Halloween, I'm sure it's going to be streaming somewhere. And it's like, yeah, this is seems like perfect. Good, well, yeah, good Halloween. Come on over then. Not not the listeners, <laughs> yeah, just you two. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah. I'll bring all the pancakes we could eat. Excellent. Oh, pancakes. Oh, pancakes aren't sealed. Nope, uh, can't bring them. I had pancakes what for dinner. Eggs? I just had pancakes like Can a couple hours eggs? ago. I, I thought you know what I did think about eggs because they are naturally sealed. But yeah, I'll try it. Uh, I don't know. That seems like a gray area. <laughs> now you know what they probably <laughs> won't just because like no because you can throw that e- too easily at, right. at the artist. Oh, yeah, you know right. what I They're mean? Like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But speaking of pancakes, yeah. one of the things that we did we did get <laughs> were these like individually sealed crepes. Uh, <laughs> So I I want to know what people think. Like, are you eating a crepe? Yeah. <laughs> how did you, how did you get a crepe? I, I packed it. Oh, anyway. Cool. Um, well, that's our discussion on Renfield and our discussion. Oh, also back to D and D real fast. We have to at least mention Bradley Cooper. Brad, the Bradley Cooper oh, stuff yeah. in D and D was hilarious and awesome. I would be kicking myself if you at least didn't mention that. So mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Mentioned. Mentioned. Um. But that's our movie discussion. But, listeners, we have an email. So, thank you, Kev, for writing us an email. We have, um, uh, he wrote in, let uh, listeners write in to yumchunks at gmail.com. If you want to be read on the air and have your thoughts percolated around the world. Uh, but, yeah, Ryan, I think you're going to read uh yeah okay so the subject of the email from kev is mayor eo like captain eo but he's he but ran for he's office he's a mayor now he's mayor. yeah he's yeah. yeah he's retired from the military he's now running for office um yeah it's, it's a good strategy it's, it's worked in the past anyway <laughs> um loving the mario episode a lot of great discussion with a lot to think about Hence this long-ass email. I want to gently and lovingly push back against an assertion made by Chewy in this episode. That film is a storytelling medium. I would argue that film is an art form first and a vehicle for storytelling second. Films with very little or no discernible story can be great works of art. See, for example, the recently elected number one film of all time in last year's sight and sound poll, uh, Gene Dealman, 23 <laughs> K. Du Kerm, 
uh, commerce. This is why I let you read the email. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ten eighty Bruxels, A three plus hour movie. Who's that's not okay. part of the title. New sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is okay. That was the title of the film. A, but now he's saying that this is a three hour plus movie whose entire story can be summarized in a single sentence. Its merit as a work of art is, of course, subject subjective and an interesting topic of debate among film snobs lately, largely because of the sight and sound poll. But according to the standard standard set by recognized uh, by recognizing film as a storytelling medium, it's a bad film. In fact, I'd venture to say some of my own personal favorite films have what could be described as nonsensical plots, or at least very opaque and hard-to-follow plots. See Mulholland Drive. Now, I want to follow that statement by saying, of course, everyone is going to evaluate film- films based on what's important to them, and that'll be different for everyone. To my mind, there's no such thing as objectively good or objectively bad when it comes to any work of art. Even the most commercial art imaginable, see Mario. Yes, we have certain expectations and ideas about what makes a movie or a story appealing, but even those aren't necessarily necessarily universal. And we often find that the most exciting works of art are the are the ones that break the rules we've generally agreed upon as a culture. I cannot believe that you guys got into a discussion about criticism in general in this episode because that was totally where my mind was going before you guys even brought it up. To your points on that, I am not arguing against intellectualism or against film criticism in general, but my relationship to any sort of criticism of art has evolved from a point where, when I was younger, my impulse was like, these people are the experts and they understand what makes a film good or bad. To now, it's more like, yes, these people are experts. But the fact of evaluating art is inherently completely subjective. So even if something meets the standards of art, sorry, meets the standards our culture has agreed upon of a good film, that doesn't necessarily mean it's something I'll like. I want to be clear that I love having these discussions, and I think there is value in them. I just don't stake my beliefs or feelings about something on the notion that there is such a thing as an objectively good or bad film so much like I used to. And I don't necessarily allow critical consensus to dictate what I choose to see quite as strictly, although it's usually still a pretty strong factor. I also want to... I think maybe that sentence ended earlier. Anyway, so I'll continue. No, I, no. I, to dictate what I choose to see quite as strictly. Yeah. In parentheses. Although it's usually still that a pretty strong sense. factor. Oh, okay, all right. I thought you broke. Uh, <laughs> well, because it ended in an um, adverb, so I, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, I also want to be clear that I'm not accusing you guys of anything here either. I just wanted to share my thoughts on your very fascinating discussion on the subject. Which brings me to the Mario movie. 
In general, I agree with Sean, and I agree with pretty much all of your criticisms. But if someone asked me, point blank, just, did you like it? The answer would be yes. It delivered on everything I personally wanted from it. Some cute stuff, some light chuckles, and a whole bunch of references that tickle my nostalgia bone. Particularly the music. But man oh man, could it have been better. So I agree on that. There is a way to make a really great and emotionally satisfying Mario movie. I'm sure of it. But if no one's going to do that, I guess I can <laughs> make do with fan service. The movie. With fan service, the movie. For now. I don't regret my time or money spent on it. But I, it would be nice to have someone with a real head for emotional storytelling taking a stab at bringing Mario to the big screen. It certainly didn't take it certainly didn't take any big swings. But you know what? The Luma was funny. So I guess it's a win. That or I've given up on wanting more from my big budget Hollywood fare. It's probably that. Anyway, I kind of feel like I basically just repeated a bunch of stuff you guys said in the episode back to you. But oh well. Take heart. It means your discussion excited me enough to write to you about it at length. You are right, though. You guys are curmudgeonly. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Heart emoji. Kev Young. Thanks, Kev. All right. Uh, Hooray. Oh, good. You wouldn't have it any other way. Excellent. Okay. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I have some things to say about this email. And I say them in the most lovingly way possible. But... Uh, and gentle. Yeah, I, if you you want to be gentle and lovingly push back against, I'm gonna have to um, forcefully, hatefully <laughs> shove back. <laughs> um, now uh, this, I'm gonna try to be nice, <laughs> but this seems like a very long way of saying art is subjective. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know that. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, to give credit I, to Kev, I I I don't think he. I think what. When he says early, he's just more, he's sparking conversation. Of course. I don't of think course. he's and I'm not trying to be mean. But I, anyway. yeah, I, yeah. Um, but I do have to disagree. I do think that film is primarily a storytelling medium. It's a visual storytelling medium. But when I say film is a storytelling medium, I mean film upon, you know, the way in which we've agreed that we typically use it. The format, the length, you know, how we expect film to be. Um you know, good example, and we haven't really talked about this movie on the cast. I mentioned it in a chunk fire, but um, Skin and Marink. I hated Skin and Marink. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. Kevin, I don't know if you've seen that movie or not. And people are... He, I know he has. I don't know. People are real divided on it. it. But, you know, I watched yeah. that and I went, I could see this being a good five minute short. But as a full length movie, it's a waste of my time. Right? And <laughs> a full length, you know, there is a culturally decided, uh, you know, length that a film should be. Right. A story yeah. uh, is this long and it does this and it does this. And um, if it's not going to take advantage of that format, then I feel like, yeah, I, I, like if you you mention, let's see, um, that we there's no such thing as objectively good or objectively bad. Just, you know, how we what we expect out of a piece of art. Well, if that is the case, which it is. But it, it just adds more fuel to the do we even need critics conversation? Like, should we outlaw them? Should we banish yeah. them? We so it also just some more context is funny. You know that. So listener Chewy sent us a screenshot from a Reddit post about this. Just an awful. Oh, can I read that? 
Oh god! If we want to anger everyone, maybe just. (laughs) Anyways, I sent that image to Kev after he sent it Uh, to me, and he was just like, "Oh god, this is the worst thing." Oh, you know, like so so that is he's on the same page. Yeah, I get that, and I but but I think is that like taking your argument and extrapolating it to its extreme, you get that Reddit post. That and and that's that's where I I I kind of feel like yeah, uh, obviously all art is subjective. And everybody's going to bring their own expectations, just like how I'm able to like Renfield, right? Both of the, mm-hmm. this movie is is uh, critically rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, but you know it 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 worked oh, okay. for me. I enjoyed yeah. it, um, but you know for something like this, when you can see the better movie inside of it, and it's so clearly easily achievable, that's when it feels yeah. lazy, and that's why I can say like, yeah, I. What I wanted out of this movie was not much to ask for. And that's why I can't... By this movie, you mean Mario. 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 Yeah, oh, okay. that's okay. why it's like... It's yeah. it's so clear and it's so easy to achieve that when they don't, it feels lazy and I, I just can't give it a pass. Right? I, I, just, I just can't. And I did enjoy the parts yeah. of it that I enjoyed, but I... Um, but yeah, it's like you say... If no like, there's a way to make a really great and emotionally satisfying Mario movie. I'm sure of it. But if no one's gonna do that, I guess I can make do with fan service the movie. Um, no, no, do that. Somebody do that. I'm I'm yeah, holding I, it to that. I, I guess that's the thing is, I guess I can make do. But why? Why do you have to make do? Why do we have to make do as a if culture? The, if the if the if it's an easy, I mean, I guess we don't have a choice. If it's an guess, easy but... assignment, if it's if the bar is low, it's not hard to hit all of the marks. Then why? What's the excuse not to? And so. Yeah, I don't know. It it's it's right there. I mean, yeah, I I, I like I said before. I, I think Kev is more just like prompting conversation because he enjoys this and I enjoy it and we all enjoy it. Don't so, censor me. I think, I think one thing that is, you know, I think this is something that ultimately the world would be a lot better place if people were able to kind of like reconcile the fact that they could hold these two notions simultaneously in their mm-hmm. head, and that is, I can like something. And that same thing can be bad, right? If people were able to rec, and that's it's not an easy reconciliation, right? That's not necessarily easy. I'm saying it. I don't mean to like imply that like, oh, yeah, why can't people just do that? But I do think that's an important thing. Like, if you could reconcile, like, uh, okay, yeah, I like this, but it's not good. How much of just like animosity and just like internet hate would just like dissipate? Like, and the other thing too is that who cares? That's the other thing. Like all this like critic debate of critics aren't like what if you like it why do you care what the critics think you you caring what the critics think i think i even said this last episode is is giving is implying that their opinions are better than yours right like to an extent it's like you just want your opinions to be as good as theirs i don't know like it's just this weird oxymoronic kind of idea um so i I don't um, know it's uh, yeah hard left turn but jenny nicholson youtuber did a review video on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the theme park land. Yes, I'm hijacking this conversation <laughs> again. But she was talking about how in the plans, there was plans for free-roaming droids that would just kind of go around and interact, and they were cut because of budgetary reasons. And she says in her review, I have to mention this because I feel like if people don't know that we could have had free-roaming droids, then we're not like holding Disney to their standard. Like, You need to know this is what we could have had, this is what they took from us, and like they could have, and we could have ended up with a better product. Like, and I, I feel like us being curmudgeonly and nitpicky 
with the Mario movie is doing the world or the 14 people who listen to the episode a service by saying, look, this is what this is what this could movie could have yes. been like. Come on. Like, this is what it could have been. And it wasn't that well, hard. I mean, I, 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 I'm glad that we did the D&D right after Mario because I do think these are a, like you could do a case mm-hmm. study on adaptation. I mean, we talked about it, but of D, like I think there is an example. D&D is not going to win any Oscars. It's not a, a, an art house. It's not making sight and sounds top 100 films like right. That, that's not what we're asking with the Mario movie. That's not what we mean when we're like, why can't the Mario movie have these nuance? We're like, no, 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 don't. I don't, I know. I don't no. want Mario to have a woman doing chores for three hours on screen. Right. But it could be D and D. Yeah, it, we could get a Mario D and D. You yeah, know, like that's, that. That would be it's still. You say, quality, I, I guess right? I can make do a fan service of the movie for now. But it, what, they're not going to make. They're not going to reboot another Mario animated series. This is what we get. You know, it, and and I think to an extent, you know, it's easy, like oh, you guys are just being curmudgeonly, and yeah, that's that's fine. But I mean. We're obviously doing it on the Mario movie because, hey, guess what? We're all. You think we would care as much about a kind of bad Mario movie if we didn't care about Mario, right? Like, that does you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know that's potentially leads down some toxic avenues. Like, oh, we're the gatekeepy kind of stuff. But the reason that we, you know, are curmudgeonly about a Mario movie that could have been better is because we all are huge Mario yes. fans. We have mul- talked about Mario multiple times. I- on this podcast, I am staunchly of so, the opinion that Mario deserves a better movie, and I think yes, that I, I think that that can summarize most of my thoughts about why I'm being so harsh on this. And Kevin, I I really mean no offense to you, but I also really feel passionately about this. I love Mario. I have my whole life. I feel like it deserves a better movie, and I feel like it was it would have been very easy for them to make that movie. Yeah, and so and that's yeah. where it, Re- references do not. Are not mutually exclusive with characters, yeah. storytelling, yeah. setup, payoff. You know, I'm not was. willing to give it a pass um, so easily because it because it did the bare minimum. Like, uh, no, no, thank you. I'm yeah. sorry. C minus. You passed, but don't um, be proud. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I guess the other thing is maybe to to kind of go in the opposite. It's not like Mortal Kombat Annihilation bad. So you know, mm-hmm. maybe us being so curmudgeonly gives us the impression that like we thought it was the room level bad like no not at all no. i like I, no, I, obviously no, 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 it's a movie yeah. it's it's a movie that looks like a movie and it feels like a movie at least yes. right it's we're not saying it's as, like as curmud- a train wreck yeah, or something as, as curmudgeonly and nitpicky as we were on the movie i feel like we also heaped a good amount of praise for the, yeah i, I was actually gave saying credit I where it was due that we're pretty glowing on parts that i thought i thought deserved it um yeah so, so yeah I don't, but i but like like Kev said, that I, that was a great episode. I, that was one of my favorite discussions we've had recently. So I'm glad Kev thought so and it got people talking. I hope, and, Kev, or, you, I, don't know, I hope you or nobody else takes this as a means to not email again because I'm still curmudgeonly about this. <laughs> I mean, I, please don't take it personally, but I do feel like I need to make sure that my feelings on this are known and they are put on the internet because that's what middle-aged men do. It's important. Yeah. Well, so one little comment on all that. I think I like everything you guys said. I, I didn't really chime in, but I, I, I agree with everything was said. And I think I forget who just said it. I think Sean something about just kind of sparking the conversation and it, it it provokes conversation. I think that's the best thing that can really come out of this. Is yeah, it, is is the conversation right? Because through you know through the conversation, we 
we spark new ideas. We spark new understanding because within our own heads, we only have one perspective. So I was, I love hearing both of your guys' perspectives because it's something I hadn't considered. Right. And we can Mm -hmm. discuss the merit of those things and blah, blah, blah. And I'm hoping people who listen, that's what they're getting out of this. And it's from Kev's email of he definitely is. So awesome. I love hearing that feedback, Kev. Um, And I think if there is some sort of greater benefit to any of this is in joining in the general discourse, if we can in some way impact, maybe not just us, but just critics in general, maybe not to say that we're, oh, we're critics, but everyone's a critic, right? So, okay, there you go. Um, Is that there somehow, some way there'll be an influence over what movies get made and what movies get seen, right? If, if we can go into mm-hmm. a movie with some sort of certainty or guarantee or past experience that we draw upon using our critical analysis skills, like we're, you know, using our brains, we are going to say, oh, oh, that was a good movie. I want more of this. I'm willing to put more money, more of my money, speaking in the sense of the general public, towards yeah. these things. I want more of these things. I want more Dungeons and Dragons, less Mario's. I yeah. mean, just as an example. And that's, a, that's and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I think, I, t- no, take it away. I think you, you are going to probably say what I'm going to say. But on, the, on the note of criticism, right, you know, you're talking about voting with your wallet, right? And, and yeah. I'm talking about, as far as the role of critics and addressing that whole thing, you know, if if a movie makes this much money and it guarantees sequels, I think it's good if the critics hold it to a higher standard, especially when something's making this much money, mm-hmm. because I want the sequel to be better. And I want the writers, yeah. Yeah. I want them to take that feedback from the people who have studied film, have dedicated their lives to it. And I want them to take that feedback and go, okay, like maybe we can write a better screenplay next time. Right. Maybe we can get that better yeah. Mario movie. And if we do, I will be look. I will look yeah. much more favorably upon this one as just the one that establishes the world and yeah. tells us who the characters are, and then yeah, introing the characters. And now, oh, the looking back on this ten years ago, yeah, whatever. Watch the first Mario movie; it's pretty decent. But the second Mario movie, oh man, that movie is awesome. They yeah. do like yeah, I, and like, if I I could see that, like that would be awesome. That would be it, amazing. Be if fun. I can hijack this conversation back to Sonic the Hedgehog, um, and <laughs> particularly the games, um, that mm. first Sonic game is is pretty rough around the edges. You know, and yeah, I yeah. and I yeah. played it, and I liked it as a little kid. I and it's um, it's bright and colorful, and it's fun and it's entertaining. But I, it's the one I probably go back and play the least uh, because they mm. they yeah, figured yeah. out what worked yeah, and same. what didn't work about the first one, and they continued to improve on the second and then the third one. That's what I want from these movies, and without critics, you're not going to get that. Yeah, I think also too an interesting kind of thing that I've kind of seen and maybe this isn't everyone's experience is that everyone who or a lot of people who are criticizing the critics are they're they're not critic they're not like having a discussion about the film like oh you're criticizing the mario movie for you know having these kind of weak character you know portrayals and a story that really doesn't pay off or isn't really interesting or emotional and stuff like that okay what so you disagree with that okay give me your take no one has a take. No one's arguing these points. The argument is you shouldn't criticize, right? Like 
I would be much more willing to engage and be interested in this discussion if the people who like the Mario, quote unquote, like the Mario movie were saying, no, there, there is good character stuff here because this is this. Or this is a really interesting, cool story because it has these, like, no, but that's not what's happening. That's not it, yeah, what's happening. Right. What's happening is going, uh, just be happy with what you got. Don't, crit- like, what are you going to criticize? Yeah. Like, that's a very dangerous the mo- the common, know, avenue the to The most go common down. defense I hear is like, well, you know, it's a kid's movie. It's fun. It, I don't. I didn't yeah, need a like big story out is, of it. No, that's not. You're, so then you're not like people say. It's like though, so then you don't actually think it's good, right? You're right? admitting. Like, you're, you're admitting like, that what the critics. You are just saying. don't want us to say that it's not good, like that. And that is that's bad. That's bad discourse. Just whatever, right? Um, yeah. So I, I think that's another kind of part of this conversation Absolutely. that you know is sometimes oh, frustrating. Yeah, um, it's uh, you don't yeah. agree with me, so I don't want you to speak. Yeah, exactly. And, and and people can disagree. That's fine. And if you like a movie, that's totally fine. Right. But I don't know. Like, I would want to have a discussion with why you like right. the movie. And, and most of the answer to that has been, well, there's cool references for the games. Like, okay, that's fair. I agree. But what else? Well, you know, don't, there was the music. Good, yeah. You know, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's if like, it's good <laughs> enough for you, fine. But don't come at me for wanting to hold it to a higher standard. And I'm not exactly. talking directly yeah, to you, Kev. I'm mainly talking. Yeah, I, I, or anyone specifically. Like uh, again, with... I mean, go back and listen to the episode. We were pretty glowing. I still, I like them. I'm on Kev's page. I like the movie. Like again, not, well then, Sean, it's not you're stupid. Great, on, well on me, but but yeah, I because I agree with everything. I like all this stuff, and I was a sucker for all the references too. But I, I'm just not gonna let that hold hold me back. The criticism. I think the other, and just kind of tangentially circle back to what Kev was saying in the beginning about storytelling medium um and maybe i think this is a a slight splitting well not splitting hairs but uh misunderstanding in terms of the term storytelling because i think that all art is a storytelling medium in the broad sense of the word and when we say storytelling and chewy correct me if i'm wrong here but i don't think you are specifically saying a story with a beginning middle end that has a plot that goes to these beats that's not what you mean mean, when you say storytelling i would say all art is a storytelling medium because all art somehow conveys yes. meaning, which means story in my mind. So like Michelangelo's David, the sculpture is a storytelling medium. There is a story with Michelangelo's David. When you go to an art museum, when you go to the Louvre, when you look at sculpture and paintings and frescoes, like there are stories in this art. It doesn't mean that, well, at the beginning of the painting, you see this character and he's getting up out of bed. There's like, so when we say film is a storytelling medium, I don't think it means like we want a complex story. That that's that's not right. what we mean. At least that's not what I mean. Well, yeah, and what sense? I mean is that yeah, what you said. You know, most mediums are storytelling mediums, if not all. You know, and another thing that yeah. I talk about in my class is that you know, art all art in some ways tells a story, but different types of art tell stories in different ways, and some are better for yeah. certain stories yeah. than others. And, sure, uh, yeah. and like I said, with the, the skin and comparison, like it, it, and, and, and like I say in my class, like it, it, this story, they chose this medium for this story for a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're and if you're not going to take advantage of that medium, then keep it a video game. It's great as a video yeah. game. Right. But if you're going to yeah. make it, I think that's movie, another, take advantage of yeah. all the positives of it being a movie. Yeah, don't settle for less. And I think that's another a weird kind of ta- tangent to this conversation too, or maybe the tangent, but part of it is the, is the little brother syndrome. Um, and by which I mean, video games don't need to prove themselves. I think that's a mindset that we mm-hmm. as a culture, 
<laughs> we as a culture need to get over <laughs> like like just because something is being made into a movie does not mean like oh now it's legit like no you know how much i've got just as much value from playing games as i have from reading books as i've had to listen to movie or listen to music to play right like just because something is adapting being made into a movie does not mean like it's now somehow being better or it's graduated yes. why does mario need to be a right. movie why cannot yeah. we experience it on every level to its maximum potential in the medium that it was right. made for? That is, we as a video game. I'm not saying you can't adapt things and that there are ways and important and interesting things you could do with adaptation. But the adaptation for the sake of adaptation or this idea that, like, oh, it has to prove itself. No, that that's you're already, in my opinion, fighting a losing battle because it's the you know coming from a place that. I don't agree with. Right. Yeah. We talked about that a lot in the topic of Avatar about how it differed, but about how like, oh, but this time it's going to be live action. It's like, does it need to be? Maybe it was already the best medium in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like animation does the same. It's like, oh, it's just like, oh, what if we got a live? It's like, why? Why do you want a live action? Well, because then we could see it in they're you know they have skin cells i mean like, like you know like what like, i mean what? like on a similar topic they just announced that they're rebooting harry potter they're going to do a yeah. live action yeah, series and every yeah. book is going to be a different a different season I'm like okay i yeah. i happen to think that film movies in that case is not the best form in in my mind a series that is animated for me would be the best way to do that story yeah I mean, again, it depends what you mean by adaptation. If you want, like, a very strict and, like, taking everything from the actual source material, sure. And I and I agree with that to an extent. I also take issue sometimes with the idea of adaptation being this monolithic idea of everything from this must be exactly right, because adaptation owes nothing to the source material. Right. That I mean, that's, I think, that something that also I feel I wish the internet knew or understood better is that when you're adapting something, you owe nothing to the source material other than the intent. Right. Yeah. Right? So Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, I mean, un- understood it, yeah. understood the intent. Lego movie understood yeah. the intent. Mario, exactly, I don't right? feel fully understood the assignment. So you get a C minus. Yeah. Well, there we go. We figured it all. We, we solved, solved all criticism. We solved movies. We yeah. figured it out. Yeah. Also, I think there there are such things. If as long you know, as much as something can't be objectively good or bad, we can still have standards, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that's what you're getting oh, yeah. to. We don't like it can't be turned into a nebulous. Everything is the same. Everyone's opinion matters. Your opinion is two plus two equals three. It's all the same. There's no objective reality. And every, like I know, it's, I'm being very high, you know, extreme here. But no. yeah, there are standards, standards exist for a reason. Art and I agree with them. You know, yeah. it doesn't. It I doesn't... agree that there's no such thing as a perfect film or objectively objectively good or bad. But we could measure. And standards. It, do, it doesn't mean and that I think the that's standards fair. can't be renegotiated and rewritten over time sure, gradually. Yeah. But I, I yeah. do think that they serve a purpose, and I do. You know, I, I find that I see the value mm-hmm. in them. So, so yeah. Kevin, thank you for writing. Um, I, yeah. I, I do. We should have a whole uh, uh, episode where Kev just writes emails and prompts discussions for us. Right. That should just be the whole yeah, podcast. It, it really could. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah, no, I do respect your opinion. I don't agree with it, but I do respect it and I appreciate it because, as you said, it sparks some really good conversation. And that's the best kind of conversation yeah. there is. So, thank you. Can you top Kev's email, listeners? Give us give us something to talk about that tops Kevin's yes. Kev's level of and allow me prompts. to violently shove back at you. <laughs> uh, I'm gently holding you, Kev. I'm not violently pushing I'm, you. I'll I'm gently hold. extravagantly 
kicking you off of it. Flamboyantly kicking him off a bridge or something. Yes. Adjectives. Okay. Yes. Cool. Well, yes. Thank you for the email. And wow, we're under two hours. If we stop right now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to it and stop soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. We may be taking a few weeks off because of vacation or uh, busyness. I'm actually going to be out of town for a little bit. So it might be a couple of weeks, but we'll be back with Guardians of the Galaxy probably. Yeah. Um, what else is coming up? Flash is coming out in a couple of weeks. Other things are down the, you know, May. May is the start the of summer for Hollywood. So, so yeah, yeah, give us a, give us a few weeks to get our bearings and get prepared. And Ryan has to recover from cho- from Coachella dying. or, you know, hopefully if he lives, survive. Yeah. And well, I need my familiarity to fetch me bodies. I'll be fine. So, Sean, don't forget yeah. to... Uh, don't forget to bring bugs. Bring sealed crickets, right? To, don't to forget to, to publish the crickets. job application for replacement ryan's role just in case <laughs> yeah. um you get paid and uh well you don't get paid uh, i guess friendship I say that um <laughs> friendship yes um okay yeah anything else bye we were rolled a critical hit 20 that 20 dungeon nat 20 and dracula sucked our blood there we go we got both <laughs> C minus, Sean. C minus. <laughs> okay, I know, I didn't. All right. Good night, everyone. I'm not proud of it. Bye. Bye. This has been After the Credits, a Yum Chunks podcast. Yum